In the days of King Amraphel of Shinar, and King Ariok of Elisar, and King Chedorlaomer of Elam, and King Tidal of Goim, these kings made war with the king of Bera of Sodom, King Bersha of Gomorrah, King Shinab of Adama, King Shemeber of Zeboim, and King of Bela, that is Zor, and these joined the forces in the valley of Sidim, that is, the Dead Sea. Twelve years they had served Ched... Chedo... Chedor... Chedor... Leomer. How would you pronounce that, Simon? Chedor... Leomer. <laughs> the judicial system. Wait, I, I just drank a beer while we were chatting before and... Excellent. Yeah, it's, it's a Chedor... Chedor... Leomer. Chedor... So I'm Alexander. I'm Diogenes. And I'm Simon. And you're listening to Atheists Read the Bible. Atheists, atheists, read the Bible. Get ready for a spiritual journey as two godless atheists read the Bible from cover to cover. Will they learn to love Jesus? Or will they continue to forfeit their souls to Satan? Find out what happens when the Bible stops being polite and starts getting weird. Well, I think what's interesting about this chapter is that, well, I was going to ask you if you had practiced all these kings' names and, like, looked up the pronunciations, because I, I feel like we're probably butchering most of them. I mean, Cheddar Leomer is certainly being butchered repeatedly <laughs> uh oh. no cheddar leomer i got the that pronunciation in an objective way is i tweeted please comrade jesus give me the bravery and uh strength to pronounce the name cheddar leomer <laughs> <laughs> and someone someone uh tweeted back the phonetic uh cheddar leomer so it's like yeah. the cheese, I guess. Uh, <laughs> we, we can get into this later, but this entire chapter sounds like J.R.R. Tolkien wrote it. Yeah, it, it does. Because this is like a chronicle, right? It, it's like it's like an appendices from Lord of the Rings. Interesting. And we've never really seen something like this before, right? Like we've not we've seen like chronicles of people begatting people and people dying in places. But this is the first time we have like an account of people rising up and fighting each other. And it's an account of kings, not just people. Um, because, you know, previously there's been one family, right? And the one family has a bunch of kids. Uh, and then we have another town that somehow is related, but not related. Now we have all of these kings of all of these city-states going to war. Yeah, so we have... Faction A with uh, Shinar, Elisar, Alam, and Goim. And they go to war with Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, Shemember, and... Oh, no, sorry. Adma, uh, Zeboim, and Bela, that is Zor. So we just see the two factions. But still, that's crazy, right? I mean, is there... What... What, what is the authorship of this? Hmm... Because this seems staunchly different from other things we've read. 
Alexander's supposed to know the sources, right? Yeah, he's going to get the Bible with sources revealed. He can't find the Bible with sources revealed. So apparently, now they're hidden. <laughs> huh. Huh. Well, um, so it's in italics. So what does that mean? Well, there's a footnote. Does it have a letter? It says, this story comes from a separate narrative source. It does not have any of the characteristics of J, E, or P. Ooh! <laughs> Mystery book! <laughs> so, the source has not been revealed. Richard Elliott Friedman! <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I thought you wrote I the thought the sources were gonna be revealed <laughs> when I bought the book and chose the sound effects. Apparently. And now the sources are obscured. Yes, still obscured. But good on us for recognizing the fact that it doesn't sound like anything else we've read yet. Yeah. That yeah, that I think true. we've re reached like level two Bible scholarship. <laughs> we've gotten the four experience points necessary. But, right, there's been a bunch of times when it seems like there's just stuff thrown in into a story that doesn't belong there, like the Nephilim and the Noah's Ark story, or uh, Noah the first winemaker, uh, and the beginning of slavery in the Noah story. <laughs> so, yeah, like, it seems like there, this isn't the first time there's just been times where it's like, wow, that's a really... <laughs> weird turn <laughs> it's almost like someone cut and paste a bunch of disparate text into one text and mental gymnastics are formed <laughs> to try to make a through line uh 12 years they had served chedo leomer but in the 13th year they rebelled in the 14th year chedo leomer and the kings who were with him came and subdued the rephaim in ashtaroth Karnaim, the Zuzim in Ham, the Emim in Shavah Kirathaim, and the Hortes in the hill country of Seir, as far as El Paran on the edge of the wilderness. Oh, I know just where that is. I'm glad it clarified <laughs> all that. Well, I mean, it is on the edge of the wilderness. <laughs> Just, you know, when the chapter started out in the days of King Amraphel, I'm like, oh, great, finally a time frame we can use, King Amraphel. <laughs> so is there any record of a King Amraphel? No. Uh, Some people think he's, uh, what was it, Nebuchadnezzar? I don't know. People just throw in like, oh, maybe he's this guy, maybe he's this guy. But no, it doesn't correspond to any, like, real ruler that we know about. It is interesting, uh, the name, uh... Chedo Leomer? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's an interesting the, name. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna tell you what it, what it means, because it does have an origin that would suggest that it at least comes from another culture. Or maybe it's like a caricature of a name from another culture. Well, a lot of these names sound similar. I remember, if we remember back in the story of 
Noah's progeny where we had all of the different regions and towns and all of these different kids running around. The names of the kids seemed very region specific and you saw groupings of names that sounded similar and they sounded vastly different from the next group of names that were read. So at least here, it seems like it's very uh, regionalized. So the names sound like they have some kind of similar linguistic background. Yeah, so here it is. Uh, the name Chedorleomer is associated with familiar Elamite components such as Kudur, meaning servant, and Lagomar, who was a high goddess in the Elamite pantheon. It seemed like they had an overabundance of gods and goddesses. Like some of these other, uh, I think some of these other names have associations. One of them is associated with Ishtar. Like there's a bunch of, because uh, like, right, every, if you were a city state, you, you had, had your own to set have, of gods. Right. You, yeah, it seems like. I mean, that's how things were back then, right? Like, you would conquer a city-state and steal their god. Like, that was part of, like, the whole conquest. Is, is that take... how it worked? Oh, yeah. They would steal each other's uh, idols and be like, the... uh... it's like high schools pranking each other. I'm going to steal, you know, Westport High's goat and we're going to put it on top of a house. Ha, 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 ha. But back so... then, it's like, I'm going to go steal Ishtar. Is that why the Israelites were, fuck that shit, no idolatry. We're going to have an anti-conic tradition for Yahweh. That way you can never take Yahweh. No one can take anything except the Ark of the Covenant. You know, we'll forget about all those idols that people actually make. (laughs) Speaking of idols that people actually make, Simon, the Catholic Church is full of idols that people have actually made. And... Oh yeah, we love demigods that aren't supposed to exist. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> um, yeah, we like our art. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's all creepy as fuck too. Well, not all of it's creepy. It's all like the 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 like suffering emaciated Jesus. It's like oh, I'm Jesus. Oh my God. Okay, you guys have about 20 years of uh, podcast to go before you get to Jesus. <laughs> That's I like, true. I like but the I haven't been to a Catholic church before. <laughs> I personally like the happy, fat, laughing Jesus. Oh, wait, that's Buddha. Wait, that's Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> I like him, too. I think Catholics generally like Buddha. I like uh, Comrade Jesus, the cosmonaut. That was one of the things about the Norse, right? They had the warrior Jesus who rode in on a six-legged horse with blazing eyes of fire and a super long lance. That is totally a thing. Look it up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it's a thing for someone. It's like, how do you judge like, okay, like clearly someone made it up. It doesn't matter if someone made it up in their basement 20 years ago or someone made it up two millennia ago i don't know well generally if somebody makes up a religion in their basement 20 years ago it's a role-playing game (laughs) or it's scientology (laughs) 
So I had I had a thing to say about the Rephaim. Good, say it. Is uh, the Rephaim are giants? So where do you get that? Because that's what the word means in Hebrew. So the Rephaim are giants. So some people think that it's related to the thing with the Nephilim from chapter six. But weren't they all purged in the flood? Well, if you remember in chapter 6, it does say the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward. So the and also afterward bit, I mean, and with the afterscape outside, I wouldn't be surprised if there are one or two Nephilim outside this bunker right now just waiting for one of us to leave. They have a blackjack (laughs) and a lot of beer. (laughs) <clears throat> I, I like I like from Wikipedia the Rephaim refers either to a group of people greater than average height or possibly giants. <laughs> so they might be like seven feet or twenty five feet. So they well, just like I was watching players. some YouTube thing that was addressing this and it said that Goliath was a descendant of the Nephilim but he was like nine feet tall. And I'm like, that's not even really a giant. <laughs> you got to like at least break 10 feet if you're going to be a giant. Nine feet tall is freakish. It's taller than the tallest person, but it's just not that impressive. She is a more, well, I, well, part of it is it's probably a mismatch between metric and imperial cubits. Ah, the old metric cube, it'll get you every time. Tallest man was 8 feet 11 inches. Wow. Robert Robert Waldro, Wald, Wadlow. And he had like horrible um, medical effects of it. Ah. Yeah, well, that's why Goliath went down. <laughs> he had horrible medical effects from a stone to the head. But that's interesting because 9 feet is actually <laughs> plausible. You, yeah. Huh. So, so I think it's settled. Then the Bible is real. Everything we're reading uh, is real and actually <laughs> happened. Wait, so <laughs> twist, spoiler alert! It's all true. <laughs> <laughs> this is like when Insane Cloud Posse came out and said, "Hey guys, we're actually Christian." That made no sense. <laughs> But that video is amazing. Oh, that was great. Fire, water, air, dirt, fucking magnets. How do they work? Don't talk, let me talk to no scientist because he'll be tripping and get me pissed. It's like, re- really? Like, I, I knew you guys were dumb, but... Really? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, so the Insane Clown Posse had a song called Miracles, right? And it's about how miraculous the world is and how much they love god and their bar for miracle is very low it's like rainbows <laughs> magnets his kid looks like him <laughs> like <laughs> and it's really funny because it's just such uh militant anti-education <laughs> messages it's like i don't understand how a magnet works but don't 
don't come to me as a scientist because I'm and not going to listen. Explain to me how a magnet works. Don't science explain me. <laughs> so why is Cheto Leomer suddenly taken? He's like in the middle of this whole thing. He's not even the first king named. He's number like three uh, in the middle of four kings on that side. So why is all of a sudden he pulled out as people serving him and then in the 14th year he killed some giants? You would think if like Cheto Leomer was such an important figure, he would have been listed first. Because the first two people that are listed, we don't hear from, we haven't heard from again. It's just been Cheto Leomer this and Cheto Leomer that. <laughs> you know what? It's Doesn't like, Cheto Leomer go well on a brioche bun? Here's what I think happens, and we'll see this later in the chapter. Is it's like George R. R. Martin. You You come up with some really wild name like Daenerys Targaryen and you're like, oh, well, this character has to do everything. And then you just keep on going and progressively as you're coming up with more and more characters until you get to Ned. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what they say? Last in, first out. It was amazing how much, like, significance the wackadoos on YouTube, like, drew from this, like, the preachers, because it's like... Leoma! Because it's like, Uh, yeah, like, what the fuck is the point? But they went on and on about, like, how, like, Lot was just in it for himself, and he didn't care about God, and Abraham's the good one, so, like... where's Lot? Well, he comes in back into the story later, but he was already introduced, so I'm talking about him, so... So the preachers on YouTube are going on and on about how Abram is all about God and all about, uh, you know, God's message. And Lot is just in it for himself and ends up uh, ends up outside of Sodom. And then, like, all this crazy shit goes down. But I, as we'll see later, like... I don't know. I feel like this story raises more questions than it answers. Like there's certainly a few of these, uh, a few of these people are mentioned uh, in other places of the Bible, but none of them are historical figures that we can point to and say like, or at least that I've found. Please, uh, black hole atheist, read correct us anytime. But, uh, <laughs> you know, except for the Rephaim, the Rephaim are definitely real. Uh, <laughs> but the rest buried in Georgia, the rest of them, as far as I can tell. And the cities are all cities that like people like think like maybe, oh, maybe this ancient site is this. But no one really knows. It's not like cities like Babylon where we can say, oh, yeah, or Babylon. Or- yeah. Or or which was definitely a place that they've, you know. So I'm curious as to what constitutes wilderness. Well, and it seems uh, weird because they're like kind of nomadic herding people. So it's like, what does that mean? Yeah, what, what is the wilderness? I guess you have to be, I guess it's you're going from steppe to forest, right? Because your animals can't graze in the forest. They can only graze on the plains or the steppe. And uh, that might be. I'm right. guessing so it's, that's uh, why you have to be on the edge too, because you're 
Because that's why they broke up in the first place, right? They had all these fucking animals. <laughs> and their animals were getting intermingled. And, you know, there's all kinds of incest and, like, angel rape and stuff in the Bible. But we can't have our sheep getting mixed up. What if I sold a sheep and it was really your sheep? Oh, my God. What would happen? <laughs> I think that's why this they is, went to this war. This is all in Mesopotamia, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, Shinar is uh, the Hebrew word for uh, Mesopotamia, supposedly. So, and, yeah, yeah so it mentions maybe the wilderness is uh, Iran. It's weird. It mentions Amraphel, Zoar. I wonder if Zoar is related to Zoroaster. That might be. Uh, but yeah, like, who is this Chatterleomer guy? Like, one of the things I was looking at said it was Nimrod. Some Midrash Jewish source says it's Nimrod. But it's like, well, why would that's just the one other guy in the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> why doesn't it just call it? Yeah, exactly. It would be much less ambiguous. <laughs> and one would think, because of the etymology that you had previously stated about Chatterleomer, uh, that it wouldn't be someone in, that we've been dealing with heavily because they their name is literally says they're supplicated to a different god. Right, right. Then they turned back and came to Enmishpat, that is Kadesh, and subdued all the country of Amalekites and also the Amorites who lived in Hazazan Tamar. Then the king of Sodom, king of Gomorrah, king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, went out and joined battle in the valley of Sidim with king Chedorlaomer of Elam, king Tidal of Goyim, <laughs> king Amraphel of Shinar, and king Arioch of Elisar. Four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of bitumen pits, and as the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into them, and the rest fled to the hill country. So the enemy took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all their provisions. <laughs> provisions. Not, not, not perversions. Provisions. Yeah, no, that's but that's what they have in Sodom and Gomorrah. There's just giant porn collections of your your porn your provisions, <laughs> perverted provisions. So we have here. <laughs> so they say like, here's a bunch of kids. Let me let me just get to the end of the thing, and then uh, yeah. So they took all the porn from Sodom and Gomorrah right. and went their way. <laughs> And went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who lived in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. All right, so they kidnapped a guy. Dun dun dun! So he had a lot of porn. Yeah, ah! dude, that's why they called him Lot. <laughs> oh, so I was watching a video the other day, and it was great because it clarified so many things to me about life. Was it about Allie Broch and her mm -hmm. lot? No. Do you know how people say hi? No. <laughs> You're an asshole. Stop derailing me. People say hi to each other. Uh, people. Oh, How'd you do it? 
People you, say hi. People say hi to each other. It's short for heaven is high. People say hello to each other. It means hell is low. So we're really saying heaven is high, hell is low. That should be a rap song. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Reaching. <laughs> Dude, are you telling me YouTube is not a reliable source for theology? I mean, no. <laughs> but wait, where else am I going to find out about the lizard people, the Illuminati, <laughs> the clockwork gnomes? Oh, that's really easy. The History Channel. <laughs> Dude, I love that show, Ancient Aliens, <laughs> since we've been doing this. And we love all the same books, Ancient Aliens people, like... Oh my god, the Book of Enoch, they love that fucking book. Because <laughs> if you remember, Enoch walked with God and he wrote a book about it that <laughs> only the Ethiopic Orthodox Church uh, regards as canon. Uh, but I think we regard it as canon on this podcast. I'd like to think we do. Um. <laughs> I mean, if Rashi's in, that's in. Ah, fucking Rashi. What does Rashi know? I bet... What does Rashi say about this fucking story <laughs> that came from some kind of unknown source that doesn't even have a letter? I'm not saying it's aliens. Dude, maybe the aliens wrote this part. Oh, like, hey, dude, there's some war over here. Get your war on. So, it, but it's weird, though, right? Because these they talk about the kings and then they they go to like this. They subdued the country of the... So they, they killed two whole groups of people. And then they go fight the guys again. Yeah, this seems like um, like medieval-style city-state versus city-state. What would be like Ducal ships in Game of Thrones? Yeah, Game of Thrones shit. Yeah, that's it's exactly what this is. It's like the War of the Roses. Right. Um... Yeah, it blew my mind when I when I learned that Game of Thrones is actually a documentary <laughs> about the War of the Roses. Those dragons, man. <laughs> they really turned the tide. <laughs> if it wasn't for dragon technology. Whatever happened to that dragon technology? <laughs> I would like a dragon. Tiny dragons for each foot. They keep him chained up at Area 51. Um, no, the wiz the wizards from Harry Potter keep them under wraps. Two cultures with the genocide. Yeah. And then they go back and fight with the same people they just fought with. I guess the second time they fight, the Sodom and Gomorrah and company lose and they fall back. But the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah hid in a bitumen pit. And I guess they were left for dead. Because their towns were then ransacked, and and uh, Lot was kidnapped. Yeah, the I was wondering what the significance of the bitumen pit is, because it seems like to me it's like a video game, right? And like, like how many of these kings were there? <laughs> like, I don't understand how these guys are all like dodging these bitumen pits. <laughs> and running out of there, they're like, yeah, like, <laughs> like, like Jumpman. 
But it's one of those things, too, where it's not just the kings. It's the kings and all of their retainers. And it's not just, like, four dudes right. in a field with maces. They gotta, Although that would be hilarious. They gotta, they gotta throw their concubines over the bitumen pits. Perfect spirals. Just laces out. <laughs> I, I know football. <laughs> Most of what I know about football, I learned from Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Um, Most of what I know about football, I've learned from throwing concubines over bitumen pits. <laughs> so I guess they're taking slaves as they go, and, and just this is kind of standard warfare, I would imagine, in uh, these times. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre, Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshkol, and of Anur. These were allies of, Ab of Abram. When Abram heard that his nephew had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in this house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. <laughs> what? This is, this is the part where, like, George R.R. R. Martin got to Ned. It's like, <laughs> okay, we had all those names. Now we're down to Dan. Dan. <laughs> but Dan's a river, isn't it? It's a place? It sounds like it's a place, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess it could be a river. So, yeah, I mean, here we're seeing exactly what we were just talking about. Abram marshals his retainers and all of his, all of his uh, subjects, because I guess this is a wandering Kalasar, right? So we're doing the whole George R. R. Martin, Martin thing. He's got a Kalas. Abram's got a Kalasar, and he's wandering. I wonder the what's the significance of significance of three hundred and eighteen. Three hundred and eighteen is the sum of all prime numbers between seven and seven squared. Huh. Whoa, that's that's some heavy numerology shit. Seven and seven squared. Well, it's all of the prime numbers. Right, seven squared right. is it's the seven sum of the prime seven. numbers. The all right, I'm reading from Biblical Horizons. Uh, the traditional rabbinic explanation is that 318 is a numerical value of the name of Abraham's chief servant, Eli Eliezer. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Eliezer would make an appearance. <laughs> the next time we have him on, we have to ask him about this relationship he has with Abram. He's everywhere, man. Yeah. Uh, each of the letters in Eliezer adds up to 318. Oh, that's interesting. Were any of these people people? Like, it's weird that there's all this history that didn't happen. It's like George R. R. Martin, what what inspires a guy to sit down and just make all that shit up? Like, I don't know. That's got to be awesome leisure time. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants, and routed them and pursued them to Hobah. North of Damascus. Now that's a real place. Is it? Oh, Damascus, yeah. I went to Hoba on my honeymoon. <laughs> Their snow globes were amazing. <laughs> then he brought back 
all the goods and also brought back his nephew Lot with his goods and the women and the people. <laughs> so this is saying, this is Bible endorsement that women are not people. Mm. We have Lot, we have goods, we have women, and then we have people. Right. But first the goods. But first the goods, first and foremost. All the goods were brought back to Sodom and Gomorrah. All the butt plugs, the <laughs> anal beads, <laughs> the lube, the lube, piles and piles of lube. Piles? How do you have a pile of lube? Well, that's where you, that's where Gomorrah comes in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how they got submerged in the lube. <laughs> in the lube. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> That's how they get people out of the uh, bitumen pits. <laughs> Just them up and send them on their way. Oh, God. <laughs> the ancient city of Astroglide. They just, yeah, they just fill up, you just fill up one of those bitumen pits with lube and then you can just swim out. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I feel like you'd have a hard time clawing onto the shore, though. Yeah, you're very slippery afterwards. There'd be a lot of people flopping around outside the bitumen pits. See, I'm imagining this like baby oil, but it wouldn't be at all like baby oil. <laughs> I don't know what they used for lube back then. Whale oil. <laughs> Speaking of patriarchy, I think there's also some like, there's got to be like aristocracy in, in this too, because like you've got kings, right? Yes. So... The kings actually get named in this. Um, and behind those kings, you probably have a lot of people, right? So, Which makes you wonder how 318 defeated them all. Like, it's very strange that, like, Abram's, like, this, like, nomadic guy. And then there's all this shit going on with, like, World War Mesopotamia. And uh, <laughs> and Abram just comes in there and fucks everyone up, especially uh, Cheddar Laomer. But uh, Abram, they, they why why? Well, they call out something that Abram's doing that nobody else is. He's, he, he's using tactics. They split the armies, him and his servants, and by night, and they attacked him from both sides. They were using guerrilla warfare. They routed them. Yeah. Okay, so Lot and Abram are family, um, and that they're actually being mentioned along with these kings. Um, they're probably wealthy, you know, amongst the community of people. So when they're mentioning Lot and bringing back his goods and his women, um, and yeah, the, the other people too, you know, the, the people below him um, in, oh. in status, I, I think that's kind of maybe what they're they're saying there that's a very different read yeah that actually i think that makes a lot of sense right because the women are his women in particular and the people are just people yeah, yeah i think it's patriarchy I mean, and aristocracy there aristocratic chauvinists well it seems like what we've got into here is like the account of like you know 
like I said before, World War Mesopotamia. <laughs> it seems like uh, God has been pitting his creations against each other. We all lived in peace. We all spoke the same language. We were going to build this tower all the way to heaven. And God said, no, I commanded you to. Well, I mean, he didn't say it, but he said, let us, you know, go down and confuse their languages. Uh, but God couldn't leave well enough alone when we were all like peacefully allied with each other. True. So then we had to be separated into these nation states. And now these nation states all have to fight it out. And there's only one good guy, and it's Abram. And he's inexplicably the only guy who, you know, knows anything about stealth or tactics. After his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the Valley of Sheva, that is, the king's valley. And King Melchizedek, King Melchizedek of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by the God Most High, maker of heaven and earth. And blessed be the God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Okay, so do you want to talk about that for a second? Because we haven't, this is the first time we're seeing. Yeah, this God Most High. Thing. The God Most High. Right. Um, what, what is that? Is, El Elyon. Well, yeah, in the footnotes, it refers to El Elyon, which was coincidentally an epithet of uh, El, the head of the Mesopotamian pantheon, uh, Most High. So, is this, is King Melchizedek, because it's saying God Most High, right? And it'll uh, call other gods, God, we haven't really got to any other gods. So, the only god that we know is Elohim and Yahweh. Is this a different name for Elohim, Elohim, Yahweh, God of the book? Or is this some kind of second God? It's El strange Elyon. that there's, yeah, it's strange that there's another priest of God, like, right? This is the first mention of a priest in this right. religious system. It's true. <laughs> right? Like, the rest has been God directly, like, talking to Abram. Yeah, like, what does Abram need a priest for? That's he also very has true. a direct covenant with God. It seems like a priest would just get in the way. And Abram gave him one-tenth of everything. Then the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord, God most high, maker of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours so that you might say, I have made Abram rich. I like the two layers of voices there. <laughs> that was getting pretty meta. I love it. <laughs> I will take nothing but that the young men have eaten, and the share of the men that went with me, Anner, Eshkol, and Mamre. Let them take their share. 
Okay. <laughs> so we see here Abram giving some war, giving him war spoils, right? So we're Ab attempting Ab to give him, and right. Abram's like, eh, "Well, he didn't go through this whole spiel with Pharaoh about how I don't want to take anything." No, 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 no. But Abram is giving Melch King Melchizedek one tenth of everything, and then the king of Sodom says to Abram. Give me the people, but you take the goods. Right. So, as as uh, Abram is giving Melchizedek women and goods and things, so no, no, let me keep the people. I'll, I'll take the people. I don't want your things. So this is Abram coming back with the war spoils and sharing it with his buddy, King Melchizedek, who who somehow did not participate in any of the World War madness. Who is this King Melchizedek, and where is Salem? Salem is Jerusalem. Yeah, supposedly. That's also where they had the uh, witch trials, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Same place. Jerusalem witches. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't the, the witches share Jerusalem, too? Why do they have to tie them to stakes? Because you got Dome of the Rock, you got the Wailing Wall, you have the Path of Christ or whatever. Why can't the witches share share in the religious party in Jerusalem? Oh yeah, that's that's definitely the way I would characterize it—a party. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you think about it; everybody's belligerent. But yeah, this seems a little strange because now we see Abram uh, use the epithet or refer to El Elyon. And he says Lord, too, so I wonder, I should check the other book to see if it says Yahweh there. Yeah, so it does. So it's, I have lifted my hand to Yahweh, El, the highest creator of the skies and the earth. But it does say Yahweh, so it is equating Yahweh with uh, El Elyon. Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't use Yahweh when it refers to uh, our friend, the king uh, Melchizedek, the king of Salem. So maybe maybe this ambiguity is like uh, represents the uniting of these two traditions, right, of El and Yahweh. He's saying, you know, he meets this guy who's the priest. And then he's like, no, I, uh, Abram, uh, Yahweh, El Elyon told me. Mm. So he's, he's, so he's joining conquering. those two traditions together by he's giving conquering. that statement to uh, the king of Sodom. So he's conquering Sodom via like religion. He's saying, I, my God has told me to come here and it's your God too. So we're gonna I don't know do they have El Elyon and uh, Sodom El Elyon's the god of Salem Yahweh is traditionally the the god in which which culture ancient culture in uh, Judaism <laughs> Yahweh is uh, yeah Yahweh is God's personal name as okay. opposed to Elohim which right, but... is the Hebrew word meaning God okay which is plural. I'm just wondering if there's like a uh, like a locality that is kind of associated with. That would be interesting if there was like. I mean, Jerusalem is kind of associated with. 
oh like yeah a, the there home is of judaism too and Elion uh, is an ancient god of salem i guess i could google it but yeah the first uh the first mention of yahweh is on some egyptian uh some Egyptian, uh, I want to say transcription, that's wrong. Inscription. It's an inscription. <laughs> so it's a uh, land of Shasu of Yahweh in an Egyptian inscription from the time of Amenhotep the Third, from 1402 to 1363 BCE. Uh, so the Shasu were nomads from the Midian and Edom in northern Arabia. Okay. This sounds like a nomadic group we're talking about. Checks out. <laughs> so are you saying this is all true and actually happened? Yeah, so... We see here that the king of Sodom is trying to give stuff to Abram, and Abram is not having it. Um, and Alexander, as you accurately pointed out before, he had no problem taking all of the things from Pharaoh as the dowry for his wife that was posing as his sister. Um, so he's made his money. And is it just that uh, he doesn't want to take money from this guy because... He would then challenge him for power over the land. Is this more of institutional um, monarchy? Well, I guess this is because Abram is on a mission, right? And he's going to build his own nation for the Lord. But it seems like the Salem thing, if that is Jerusalem, it seems like it's already established and it's already got this El Elyon character. Uh, this... Uh, it's weird that God in Hebrew is referred to, you know, we've seen it as Elohim, but we've never seen it as El before this, right? Right. In the singular, except here as El Elyon. So that's kind of interesting in itself that it's not the plural God. It's saying Yahweh Most High, uh, not Elohim Most High. But is that also inferring that there are other gods that are lower? He's the most high? Yeah. Um, not to be total spoiler, but in like later um, books of the Bible and Deuteronomy, there's a part where uh, El, I'm sorry, uh, Elion divides like the nations and gives Yahweh his people and Jacob something else. Huh. So El Elyon is a different entity later on, you're saying. And it's higher than Yahweh. It, well, I mean, it's a different book, so it might have completely different... It might be a completely different telling. I'm, I'm not really sure. Well, this is a totally oddball story, apparently. Deuteronomy is its own source, too. Deuteronomy is the D source. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's interesting how in, in you the, D source. the Bible itself, it, it acknowledges that there were many gods. Right. Well, it seems like there was like a progression of like equating these different gods to each other. Right. We see the Yahweh Elohim 
in uh, in Genesis 2, it starts to refer to God as Yahweh, but also using the word Elohim, which is the only place uh, that appears. Uh, and then the J source supposedly only uses Elohim to refer to the sons of God in Genesis 6 who come down and knock up the daughters of man. War. What is it good for? What is it good for? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <gasps> Say it again, y'all. What is War. it good for? <laughs> This concludes Season 2 of Atheists Read the Bible. Is the Bible interesting? Is this podcast interesting? Will the network be successful in their legal efforts to shut us down and retrieve their microphones? Find out in the future! Music by Connected Sounds.